just thought I'd try out a new intro, you know, a new, uh, a new hello. Um, hey, it's Phil from PH5, here to talk with you guys yet again about music and some album releases that, uh, that came out in October of 2022 to be precise. Uh, I gotta clarify which year because uh, this is the second year. I mean, maybe someone accidentally thought they were listening to 2021 October. Uh, so I just wanted to make sure that they knew that because it'd be awfully confused uh, once they realized that none of the albums I was talking about uh, came out in 2021. Hmm. This has been one of my dumber intros, but that's fine. You guys love that, I think. So we're just going to keep going. We're talking about October. <laughs> uh, but honestly, before we get started, I just want to take a quick second um, and say rest in peace to Takeoff of the Migos. Um, that shit is so fucked up, man. He was literally just in Houston playing dice. I don't even think he was playing and, and, and shit just got out of hand and he ended up getting shot and he's dead. It's like his whole life, you know, struggling, coming up from poverty in Atlanta underground fame as a part of the Migos through the whole mixtape circuit, breaking out with uh, the absolutely incredible Culture album and all the subsequent fame that came from that. And then just one day you're just fucking shooting dice in Houston and you get shot and you're dead. And none of it mattered. It's, uh, it's really sick, you know? It's just, it's sick how easy things get taken away from us like that, and, and, and the life gets taken away from us like that. Um, Takeoff was my favorite member of the Migos. They were probably my favorite rap group for a while uh, back in the day. Like, I, I think Culture is probably the best trap album that has been made. Just how consistent it is, its brevity, um, and just the influence that it had on pop culture on mass, like Lil Uzi Vert wouldn't be anywhere where he is today without the massive success of Bad and Bougie. And uh, I mean, it, it just sucks. Um, I remember hearing an anecdote at one point that, uh... now again, don't quote me on this. I, I just read it somewhere one time, okay? Uh, but I think it was Quavo talked about how Takeoff was actually the one who more or less invented the triplet flow. Uh, the triplet flow that the Migos, you know, popularized big time through their rise to fame and is now a staple of every rapper that exists. Um, Takeoff had a huge hand in that. It's a quiet one of the group, but anytime he came on record, you know you were about to get a fucking fire verse. He always delivered, 
And, I don't know, we just kind of seemed like the most likable of the bunch. You know, not necessarily involving himself in all the drama that surrounds, you know, rises to fame and whatnot. And I think his solo record was probably the least shitty of uh, their three solo records, so... Uh, good job to him for that. Anyway, just wanted to say a quick little blurb about Takeoff. It's been kind of messing with my head a little bit today. Uh, I mean, him and Quavo just released their Unconfu album, what, like, two weeks ago? Three weeks ago? Was not that long ago. Um, so, I mean, he was set for a bit of a resurgence. Not anymore. Rest in peace, Takeoff. Thank you for all of your contributions to the trap world over the past five years, six years, and seven years, whatever it may be. Uh, everyone go and bump culture, okay? It's a great record regardless of um, the circumstances, we'll say. <clears throat> anyway, let's lighten it up. We got that out of the way. I've got a uh, freshly cracked Mountain Dew Zero Sugar, so I'm ready to fucking rock. Talk about some albums. You guys down? I I guess you're down. You're you're listening. So let's go ahead and move forward. This is PH5 October 2022. As always, thank you so much for joining. Okie doke. So. Coming in at number five, we have the album Salvation Through Misery by the band Jillian Carter. <laughs> Didn't I literally just say, uh, let's lighten it up, and then I'm out here talking about Salvation Through Misery? Uh, your words aren't adding up there, sir. Um, but there is, uh, it, it, it is light uh, due to the fact that it's a great record, and um, great music should bring you joy even if it is, uh, you know, intensely depressing at times. Uh, this, this, I'd say, is a pretty depressing record. Um, I mean, the first song is literally called Life is Hell, Hell is Fucked. Uh, I mean, that seems to be about right. We've got the second song is called Drowning in Poison. <laughs> and then we've got The Pain of Being Alive. So you, you, you're getting a sense of... Uh, the subject matter and tone of this record. Uh, Julian Carter is a screamo band from, I believe, Australia. Uh, it, it, it's, it's a bunch of dudes. I don't think anyone's actually named Julian Carter in the band. But for some reason, screamo bands like name themselves after uh, women. I don't know. Just a trend. Don't know what it means. But it is what it is. And... This is a really cool record for me. I think at the beginning of the month, there wasn't really too much good shit coming out. So, you know, I was kind of scrounging around, trying to find something worth listening to, something worth talking about. Because, you know, I only really listen to music in reference to my podcast now. If uh, the music won't give me anything to talk about on this podcast, then then why would I even bother listening to it? For the pure enjoyment of listening to music? No, 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 no. Of course not. Uh, but this record really, really stood out to me, uh, just because of how kind of 
visceral and vicious it is. I mean, that is a term or terms you could prescribe to basically any and all Screamo, but it really applies to these guys. And what I what I think is really cool about this band is like a lot of Screamo these days and, and I guess in the past as well really like to kind of branch out and get almost like kind of proggy and post-rocky with it, which is great and I love it. Um, like City of Caterpillar from last month is a great example of a band that, you know, took on post-rock and added it to their sound to really good effect and, you know, that influenced legions of other Screamo bands to do the same. Not so much of that going on with Julian Carter. Uh, they're pretty to the point with their music, which in a way is kind of refreshing, you know? No frilly passages, no long drawn out instrumentals. It's just pretty much to the point. Once again, I'd like to highlight that the album is called Salvation Through Misery. And here's some more song titles. Forced Into a World of Shit. Well, how about this one? Crucified Upside Down. We got, uh, Living in Isolation. The last song is called Watching a Friend Die. Okay, so, you know, these guys don't really have the time of day for um, ambient soundscapes or anything like that. They really just want to uh, bring the pain, and they do. Uh, It's a very concise, uh, economic, if you will, uh, the reason why I said it like that will make sense later. Uh, record, you know, it's it's only 12 songs long. It's not even half an hour long. It's 24 minutes. So the songs are quick, they're to the point, and it's very powerful stuff. So if you're in the mood, uh, which I apologize in advance if you're in the mood for this kind of thing, but if you are in the mood for, you know, that kind of hard-hitting, right-to-the-gut screamo, um, pound for pound, Julian Carter's new album is some of the best that's been released this year. So, coming in at number five, we have Salvation Through Misery by Julian Carter. Coming in at number four for October 2022, we have His Happiness Shall Come First Even Though We Are Suffering by Backwash. Uh, There's an X between Back and Wash, so maybe I should be saying Back X Wash. Maybe I should be saying Backs Backs Wash. Backs Wash. It's just Backwash. I'm I'm just being stupid. Um, So this is the newest record by Backwash, in case that wasn't readily apparent enough. And it actually only came out yesterday, yesterday being Halloween. Uh, but it, it's such an effective record that I, I, I knew I had to put it on the list and I knew I had to talk about it this month because it really is quite fantastic. Um, Halloween was a very suitable time for this album to come out, I'd say. Uh, it, it's quite spooky. <laughs> um, So, Backwash is a Canadian rapper, based in Montreal, Uh, and this album is the conclusion of a trilogy of albums that she's released, 
that deal a lot with uh, kind of the pain of existence, just general existence, um, as being a, a, a trans black immigrant here in Canada. Uh, you know, lots of stuff working for you, against you there, for sure. Um, and it's been really, really fascinating to kind of watch her development over the course of these three albums. Um, the first of the three, uh, God Forgives, but... Wait, no, that's wrong. God has nothing to do with this, leave him out of it. Actually won, um, the Polaris Prize when it came out, which is the highest esteemed honor you can get as a musician here in Canada. And the record from last year, I lie here buried with my rings and my dresses. I talked about this record actually last year. Another one of my favorites from last year. Uh, now all this being said, I'm gonna go ahead and say that this is the best yet. Um, there's been a noticeable progression uh, from the first of the three to this one. In terms of just about every aspect of her art, um, she self-produces, so the music just generally has gotten better. And the production on this album is wild, wild stuff. Uh, very kind of industrially, uh, like the samples that are used, um, brings a lot of like heavy guitars and just strange noises that I, I can't place no matter how hard I try but she does a fantastic job of creating these really scary just straight up kind of scary soundscapes which are the perfect backdrops for these uh you know these raps about the pain and trauma um that she's gone through and not just her but you know the people in her life the disenfranchised people of Canada of the world um, the first two records of the trilogy, I feel like, were a lot more personal. Whereas this one, she's kind of branching out and taking on a, a more holistic view of trauma and just, you know, the, the hardships that everyone is facing. Um, specifically uh, black people, specifically trans people uh, here in North America. So the production has gotten better, uh, the lyrics have gotten sharper, um, her flows have gotten, you know, tighter and, and more interesting. Uh, there's some great guests on this record too, uh, like the vocalist from Pupil Slicer is on here, which is like a metalcore band from Britain. But again, the fact that she can bring in this metalcore vocalist and she can come in and do her screaming vocals and it just totally works within the context of this record you know the music is i think a pretty good testament to you know just how far she's come with her sound and just how complete it is now you know um i feel like in ways this trilogy of backwash albums has been you know, a, a, a kind of a process of self-discovery of who she is as a person, but also who she is as an artist. And here we are at the end of the trilogy and she's she's fully just embraced it. She's 
come into her own completely with her sound and in her music and it really does feel like the most polished effort of all of them that she's released so far. Uh, one of my favorite kind of things about this record is, you know, the first, well, like almost all the tracks are, you know, pretty chaotic and loud and, you know, very industrial beats, noisy. But the last song, she does this cool thing that reminds me a lot actually of and I, I kind of hate to say it at this point, but reminds me a lot of um, what Kanye did on Yeezus. So that whole album was just a frenetic mess of distortion and chaos. But then the last song, Bound 2, brought back the like Kanye soul sample and was it was kind of like this breath of fresh air after being submerged in this murky hell for the majority of the record. And Backwash does something really similar um, on the last song in this album. Uh, it's almost got a bit of a brightness to it. And you can tell it's almost... It feels almost like a... Um, you know, a surveying of the scene. Of like, we made it. We got here. We're at the end of this trilogy. We fought through all this pain. And now it's time to kind of celebrate a little bit. And, and reflect. And, you know... Bring in a little bit of, of, of lightness to it. Makes me really interested to see, is this the direction that she'll move forward with? Uh, is this a little taste of what's to come for Backwash? Uh, I, in ways I can see it, you know? You can only mine the depths of despair and darkness so much before you need to kind of start looking elsewhere for inspiration. And, uh, you know, she does this kind of lighter soulful thing in a way that still sounds very true to backwash true to the sound that she's very much established herself uh, but yeah just kind of in a different spin different context so anyway record is fantastic it's a jarring bracing listen from start to finish uh, and certainly one of the most unique and I'd say absolutely the heaviest rap album released so far this year. Okay, so coming in at number four for October 2022 is Backwash, and uh, I gotta I gotta look at this album title because it's long. We've got his happiness shall come first, even though we are suffering. Uh, sounds like my freaking trip to the dentist. Am I right? Uh, I forgot to do a ridiculous made-up genre of the day for Jillian Carter, but maybe I can sneak one in here for Backwash. So, the ridiculous made-up genre of the day for this record will be... Um, it sucks as horrorcore already exists, so I can't make that up. Uh, how about Terrorcore? <laughs> yeah, that's a cop-out, but I don't really care. I'm sticking with it. Okay, coming in at number three for October 2022, we have the record Pigments by Don Richard and Spencer Zahn. So the first two albums that I've talked about so far in this podcast have been 
noisy, abrasive, chaotic, heavy as shit. Um, this record is like the complete opposite of that. So it's essentially kind of like a neoclassical record with um, vocals, which doesn't really sound that exciting, but this is Don Richard we're talking about. So who is Don Richard? Don Richard has had one of the most fascinating careers of any R&B singer that I can think of. So Don Richard actually got her start on um, meeting the band. I'm sure none of our listeners are uh, old enough to know what that is, but it was like a kind of like a American Idol-esque show from way back in the day on MTV. And she ended up uh, forming a group called Danity Kane, Danity Kane, which were kind of around for a while. A pretty standard um, R&B group type fair. And they were around for a while, had, had a few songs, had some like minor hits. But where she really came to prominence was uh, on Diddy's Dirty Money Project. Uh, the last train to Paris record that he put out, which was this really, really fascinating kind of experimental R&B record that uh, ha over time has gotten really, really kind of acclaimed and influential. Uh, if you haven't heard it, it's absolutely worth a listen. And from that point on, she kind of embarked on her own solo career but instead of going the path of, you know, so many other R&B artists before her, she did things very independently and carved out a lane of her own, working with a lot of uh, kind of underground electronic producers on her records. Like, I think she has a record, with, like a few songs with Machine Drum on production, and just to give you kind of a sense of the kind of music that she was looking to make. Uh, really inspired by like UK bass and garage. Uh, so she was always very interested in taking sounds that weren't necessarily super popular and putting her own spin on them and, and kind of doing almost like electro R&B. And she's kind of been doing that for the better part of a decade now. She's released uh, a few really great records um, her last record was kind of an homage to New Orleans, where I think she's from, and it brought in a lot of uh, the New Orleans drumline sounds, which was a really cool thing to do while still retaining a lot of that kind of electronic influence. So she's been very fearless in her time as an R&B singer. Um, not afraid to experiment, not afraid to try new things and uh, new sounds. But even for her, this is a a pretty strict left turn. So Spencer Zahn, um, he's a composer who's worked with a, a ton of indie artists kind of elevating their sounds by adding um, some orchestral elements to their music. Uh, this is a composition by him that he worked in conjunction with Don, Don Richard on. And it reminds me a lot of um, that floating points London Symphony Orchestra, um, I forget the guy's name, but that record from 2020, the Floating Points record where he 
collaborated with uh, the sax player and the London Symphony Orchestra. It, it, it has the same kind of start-to-finish flow to it, where it all kind of sounds like you're listening to one long song that kind of breathes and evolves um, as you're going through it. The main difference here being instead of uh, instead of the lead sax kind of being that uh, that lead, that voice that carries you through it all, um, you have Dawn Richard. And she's used very tastefully and almost sparingly. I mean, stretches of minutes go by and like there are a few songs on here where she she's not even in the song. Um, so she clearly has no problem succeeding, succeeding ground to the instruments. And she understands that her place in this album is a complimentary piece and not necessarily the focal point. And to just kind of have that lack of ego to bring to a project like this is just amazing considering the acclaim that she has. I mean, she worked with Diddy for years. She's got all these really popular solo albums that she has. So for her to come in and do vocals on this like ambient, you know, neoclassical record and to make it work within the confines of what she can bring to the table is amazing. Um, it's a very soothing record. You know, it's not something you want to put on at the gym, which I hilariously did once. Um, great for uh, triceps. But it's something you kind of want to have on in the background to help you kind of reflect and, and, and meditate on the day or, or life or whatever it may be. Her vocals are really heavily processed, which is interesting because you get this dichotomy of these really organic instrumentation. And then she comes in and she's auto-tuned and vocoded to shit. And it just sounds really cool. And it's this really interesting mix of these kind of R&B vocal runs with, again, like pretty much straight up classical music. And it's something that I've never really heard before, but it works. It works really well. Um, it's just something to kind of listen to, to zone out to, and just like feel something, you know? All the records on this, uh, this month's list are, are about feeling. And uh, I'll tell you, the, the way that this record will make you feel is vastly different from any of the other ones. So it's a good change of pace. And it's a good change of pace for me because I listen to so much heavy stuff that every now and then my brain and my ears are like, you gotta, you gotta chill, man. And this has been the perfect you gotta chill man record for me in October. So coming in at number four for or is it three? It's three. Coming in at number three for October 2022, we have Don Richard and Spencer Zahn with Pigments. The ridiculous made-up genre of the day for this one is going to be... Hmm... How about post-classical R&B? That's right. Can just say whatever I want. It's time for the mentions. These are the mentions. The mentions. The mentions. 
Okay. Let's have some fun with the mentions. Uh, so, coming in at the dishonorable mention for October 2022 is the new Burial EP, Streetlands. Okay, so here's the thing. A lot of people recently have been kind of like, what the fuck is going on with Burial, you know? He's essentially completely abandoned making music that has any kind of momentum or propulsion to it. He's basically just a straight-up ambient producer at this point. Which bothers a lot of people who, you know, we want the old Burial, we love dubstep. I get it. I'm not one of them. I like this new direction that he's gone in. Um, and in fact, Antidon from January is easily one of my favorite records of the year. Uh, because he's done it effectively there. It's ambient music, but there's also a lot going on in it. And the emotional resonance of the songs and, and, and everything happening on that record uh, it hits really hard. It, it's, I, it's, I'd say, honestly, it's probably one of my favorite of his at this point. He does a lot with nothing. Um, on this record, however, he's just kind of doing a lot of nothing with nothing, I found. Like, ambience is cool, but it's not until, like, 25 minutes into this album that something noticeable starts to happen. I'm all for the ambience. I really am. But you got to make it interesting in some way, you know? And he's always so good at adding textural elements and weird snippets of samples and things to kind of keep you on edge and, and, and kind of create that air of mystery. Um, but the first two songs in this record, like literally nothing happens. <laughs> It's crazy. Like, I, I, I put it on again today just to, like, make sure that I was thinking the, you know, right things about it or whatever. And I was just shocked because I put it on and then I kind of forgot that I was even listening to it. And then I remembered and I looked and I was like, oh, my God, I'm like almost half an hour into this thing already. Like, nothing's happened. And it's a shame, too, because the last song in the EP, something does happen. And it kind of gets really interesting. But at that point, like, you, you've kind of lost all the steam. You've lost the listener's attention. You've just kind of lost us. And to have to go that long to, you know, get to an instance of something remotely interesting or memorable happening is, uh, that's rough, you know? Maybe, maybe you should have led with that track, you know? hook us early and then we'll kind of stick around for all the random washes of synth or whatever the fuck. Um, so I don't really know what the purpose of this was. Like, he didn't announce this EP, he just kind of came out one day. Um, and there's not a lot going on. So fortunately, he's a guy who has built up so much goodwill that it doesn't really matter how much kind of duds or how many duds he releases because when he releases something new, we're, all, we're always going to check it out. 
because he really is one of the most uh, important, influential producers of our time. So we're always going to be checking for New Burial. But unfortunately, in this instance, we checked for it, and it was just kind of boring. So, coming into the dishonorable mention for October 2022, we have Burial Streetlands. Okay, coming in at the mention for October 2022, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we have the album Midnights by Taylor Swift. Okay, so, like, why am I even talking about this? You know, low-hanging fruit, etc., etc., let me explain, okay? I mean, obviously I'm not a Taylor Swift fan. I, I've got nothing particularly against her. It's just not for me, you know? And that's fine. I mean, it, it literally was not made for me. You know, it was made for fucking white girls. But, um... I want to talk about this record because... I I give it a listen, you know? I, I, I have to. Like... I think we all have to listen to it because we, we need, it's such an important part of the cultural vernacular that like you need, you need to understand, you need to at least know what it is. You know, you need to know what it sounds like because it's going to be inescapable in pop culture. So if you have no bearings on it, then you're honestly kind of screwing yourself over because you're not going to be able to contribute to essentially any conversation that happens in music for the next few months because a fucking Taylor Swift album dropped. Anyway, whatever. You know what, to be honest, I didn't even hate it. I didn't mind it. It's fine. Um, as always, she is a uh, immaculate, melodic songwriter. Um, Jack Antonoff's production is whack, but Come on, it's Jack Antonoff. He's fucking whack Antonoff. That's his, essentially his name at this point. So you can kind of expect that. It is what it is. But what really interested me about the record were the lyrics. Now I know Taylor has her kind of voice that she uses and she's been using for, you know, her entire career. She has a certain way that she writes songs and I'm not, I'm not trying to disparage that because, you know, earlier in her career it was really effective. But some of the shit that she's writing now is 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 hilarious. <laughs> and I don't understand how this even got to the recording booth, let alone re like released to the masses, because these lyrics are fucking bad, okay? This is just bad lyric writing. Um, here, let me, uh, let, let me, let me pull up some examples, okay? So, this is from the song Maroon. How do we end up on the floor anyway, you say? Your roommate's cheap-ass screw-top rosé, that's how. Just terrible. Um, just terrible. Uh, let's do some more. This is from the single, Antihero. And I actually saw some people talk about this specific lyric online because it is just so bafflingly strange. 
like, what do you, okay, anyway, I'll just say the lyric, and then you guys tell me what you think she's talking about, because I have no idea. Uh, okay. Sometimes I feel like everybody is a sexy baby, and I'm a monster on the hill. What? What the fuck do you mean everybody's a sexy baby? You shouldn't be saying these things to begin with. What? What does that even mean? Like, what's the, I, you know, what's the metaphor? What's the, what's, what's the poetic device being used here when you refer to people as sexy babies? Like, some Ian Watkins shit, for sure. Uh, some more from that song. Did you hear my covert narcissism? I disguised as altruism, like some kind of congressman? Come on. Like, come on. Um, let me pull some more up. This is fun, isn't it? Uh, do, 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 do. Oh, here's from a, a song called Snow on the Beach. Life is emotionally abusive. Sure. Um, I'm going to stop there. But the whole record is just riddled with these strange, like, lyrical flops that like, I just don't understand. I mean, I understand. She's got nothing but yes, yes men surrounding her. No one's gonna say, no one's gonna tell her, be like, yeah, Taylor, that lyric's fucking stupid. Like, you should write something different. She's has so much power now um, that no one would even dare to say such a thing like that to her. I get it, but at the same time, it's like, edit yourself, girl. Come on. Anyway, mention for October 2022 is Midnights by Taylor Swift. Okay, and the honorable mention for this month, well, last month, uh, is currently November is the album Two by Dead Cross. So Dead Cross is a super group of complete weirdos. Uh, you've got Dave Lombardo, uh, used to be in Slayer on drums. You've got Justin Pearson of a billion bands, but most noticeable, uh, notably The Locust on bass. And you've got motherfucking Mike Patton on vocals, okay? So this is their second record, and they make this kind of thrash punk question mark, is how I guess I'll describe it. Um, the band originally started as uh, Justin Pearson, Dave Lombardo, and I don't, I don't know who the guitarist is offhand, sorry. Uh, but with Gabe Serbian, um, the ex-Locust drummer on vocals. Um, R.A.P. Gabe Serbian, he, uh, he passed away this year. But anyway, Mike Patton had replaced him on vocals well before that all the same for the first official Dead Cross record, and uh, obviously on this one. And Kind of very similarly to Mike Patton's stint with Faith No More, uh, that first record that he was on, the first Dead Cross record, all the music was already kind of made without him in mind. And so the songs were written 
and they just kind of passed over the instrumentals to him and were like, here you go, these are our songs, write some vocals around it. Very similar to what happened with uh, Faith No More on The Real Thing. And then this is the record where Patton was fully integrated into the band and, you know, actually kind of had some say in the songwriting process. Much like on uh, Faith No More's Angel Dust. And I would say the kind of leap between the two records is, is, is very similar in terms of quality. Uh, Patton's a guy you kind of need to have as a part of your creative process just because he's such a mind-bogglingly creative dude. So this record is, is leagues better than the first one, I would say. But the reason why I, I wanted to kind of bring this up isn't even because of that, because it, it, is, it is a good record. I, I don't know if I'd go so far as to say it's a great record, um, but, but it's very enjoyable. Um, it's a weird album, too. Like surprisingly impressively weird like they go to some weird places that even from this bunch of guys you wouldn't expect and uh, it's cool that way but the reason why I kind of wanted to talk about it and bring it on this list is because I feel like it's been a very long time since I've heard a patent project that I didn't think sucked. And this is important because this guy is a very formative figure to me. Like, growing up, Mike Patton was my god. Like, Faith No More, Mr. Bungle, Phantomaz, Tomahawk, all these bands were so important to me and I have listened the shit out of all of them. And like, I literally used to worship this guy. But... It has been a long time since he's put anything really that great out. Like the Tomahawk record from, was it last year I think it was, was terrible. And even the one before that wasn't great. Um, like the, the last Faith No More record that came out years ago was just kind of eh. Anyway, the point being, um, I mean other than I guess the first Dead Cross record, this has been the first record that Patton has been involved with in a very long time that I will happily put on and listen to. And as a guy who really was a true diehard fan of this man, it is a huge relief to me that he's out here making quality music again because, you know, that was hard. That was hard for me for a while there. For like a solid decade, it was like, this is my guy, really? This is your king, as they say. So, Mike Patton, welcome back. You're back in my good books. Let's hang out. Um, and of course, shout out to all the other guys in the band. Uh, it really is a super group, uh, but in like, like a true underground super group. Like, any one of the guys in this band could be your hero. Uh, Anyway, coming in at the honorable mention for October 2022 is Dead Cross 2. These are the mentions. mentions. All right, here we are. We are in, uh, we're ready to go. We're going. 
Bobby! Just got on the spot. We, we had been chatting leading up to this uh, hitting record. And so, you know, when you, you hit record, you're, you're put on the spot and you can't spout. You can't spout lo- lovely lines like Julian of Show Me the Body. Because this guy, like, barks and raps like no other. Bob, you're, you're, ruining, uh, you're ruining the movie magic for the folks at home. As far as they're concerned, um, the second this conversation started on the podcast was the second our conversation started. But you know what? It's okay. <laughs> ah! Ah! Who are we? Uh, trying out for Show Me the Body vocal? vocal? Yes, we are. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Show Me the Body. <laughs> Yeah, let me let me do a quick little uh, what is it like a lead? What you know that word that's like L E D E? Is that leddy <laughs> or is that just lead? Uh, you know that word? I think I've heard of it. It's like it's like how like like writers start articles, you know? Oh, okay. Like a okay. lead, but but it's L E D E. So so it's like leddy, leddy, leddy. I would say I. It makes me think of lederhosen. Lederhosen, yeah, because it's yeah, like which is more letters onto that word. Yeah, because you have to uh, put your lederhosen on before you can, you know, walk out the door, and just like you need to put a lead in before you can walk out the proverbial door of uh, content. Okay, okay, Phil, <laughs> we get to talk about this album. <laughs> oh yeah, right, uh, the album. Okay. <laughs> so hi, hey, hey everyone. Uh, I've got my good friend Bob McCauley back once again. Um, here I am. Truly my most treasured guest here on the show. Woohoo! And uh, we're here to talk about the new Show Me the Body album, Trouble the Waters. Mm-hmm. Um, Trouble Bob- the Water. Tro- is it water? Um, yeah, I actually have it open on my computer to reference, so I do I feel like a fucking notes. dumbass, man. I can't believe well, this. you know, that's okay. You sound like you're so angry you're ready to bark like Julian, which I already said. Okay, I keep going back to these references. I don't but know. You if, said you... Oh. <laughs> I, think, I think the first time you said bark like Julian may have been... um. Not recorded, so again, another piece of magic (laughs) gone to waste. That's that's okay. Uh, Gosh darn it. That's fine. Um, Oh, by the way, for the folks at home, uh, this will have been sequenced in such a way that it will be apparent to them, Uh, but this is coming in at number two for the (sighs) month for October. Oh my god. Wow. I keep talking to you for number twos, I think. Yeah, I I think it's because I'm I keep recommending stuff to you that you're like, hey, this is pretty good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, not incredible, but pretty good. Yeah, I mean, like yeah. most people recommend things to me, and I don't even bother to listen to them. But oh, well, so, that's true. so your recommendations getting all the way to number two is a uh, quite coveted. I'd say. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm flattered. That's Thank why you. you're a treasured guest. Woohoo! I'll, pr- I'll, I'll send you a badge. Okay. Um. Like on Facebook or? Uh, I, d- I deleted my Facebook, man. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Good for you. But like, I'm, I'm thinking like a, like a sheriff's badge type situation. Okay. Okay. That says PH5, uh, treasured guest. We should I talk about like the that. album. I would wear it. <laughs> yes, we should. Okay. So, um, Show Me the Body are a trio from, uh, I believe, Brooklyn. I, yeah, definitely Brooklyn because they talk about it a lot. Uh, and they play, to me, it's like 
really refreshing hardcore punk. I think that's the best way to put it. It's a good way to put it, yeah. Um, so this is a band that I, I've heard a lot about for a while, but to be honest with you, I'm not not a big punk guy. It's never really been my thing. So I've kind of steered clear of them. Um, and it was your recommendation, actually, that led me to listen to this album. And I was like, whoa, this is... like." This is so much better than I thought it was going to be. So, like, I went back and I listened to all their old discography, and, yeah, they kick ass, man. They're sick. Yeah, yeah. So you listened to Dog Whistle and Body War? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you, did you listen to Corpus as well? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. Well, that Oops. one is, is sort of like, uh, it's, it feels like a compilation of collaborations that they did. Um, and it's interesting because I feel like this album is almost like a culmination of, you know, Dog Whistle, Body War, and Corpus. It incorporates everything that they do so well on those three albums, which, I mean, I don't know if you can, um, if you'd agree at least listening to Body War and Dog Whistle that you can hear, like, you know, strains of what they're doing on both those albums on this one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the thing that kind of really appealed to me about it, not really being, like, a, a punk guy, is, like, for sure, for sure, you know, like, the foundation is punk. Like, you listen you listen to the vocalist Julian, and you know, <laughs> this is certainly punk, but they, they really integrate a lot of cool textures and, and cool instrumentation. Um, and when you described them to me, you used a really great word. Uh, oh. Yeah. Economical. What was it? Economical. Oh, econo- oh, yes, yeah. Totally, yeah. I um, I was watching some live videos last night, and because uh, whenever I listen to the music, it sounds like this one cohesive like texture within a song right yeah but watching them play live you could you'll see them like for a whole song julie won't play any banjo and then the next song he'll play tons of banjo for one song the bassist will be playing bass and then switching between bass and synthesizer or maybe some sort of like noise machine from like verse to chorus but it all sounds like texturally like one cohesive sound uh, and I just find that really exciting. Like, I've always been drawn to bands that are, you know, like a, a full-piece band, like three or four-piece or whatever, but they don't use, you know, the usual guitar-bass drum setup. Like, they have different instruments or pedals or even just switching from instruments, you know? Like, it, it, it almost makes me think of, um, if you've ever seen Radiohead Live, like how Johnny Greenwood plays. Definitely, definitely. He's all over the place. He he plays uh he plays the entire damn kitchen, you know? Right, yeah, and see they kinda do that, but they don't sound like this sprawling, um, proggy mess of a band. It's like the opposite. It's as I said, economical. It reminds me of um like the production style and just the like almost the 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 dryness of all the instruments. It it reminds me a lot of a. Uh, like Steve Albini esque production, you know? Oh, okay. That's okay. kind of a vibe that I got from this, and and I think that's because they're also very noise rocky. I find. For sure. And, this album especially. Yeah, yeah, and and I I feel like there's a lot of that kind of Steve Albini, 
just bare bones production influence on the record. You know, like no unnecessary effects, just like raw, straight up to the point, and it really fits like the, you know, the lyrical themes and and just the overall kind of like viciousness of what you're listening to. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. I was um, I was hanging out with like one of my oldest like best friends on Saturday, and we played in a punk band together in high school for a few years. And we were just like drinking and talking, like, oh, wouldn't it be great to do a band again, you know? And like have our, our original punk drummer playing. And like I was like, oh, I'll play synthesizer instead of bass, so we won't have to get a bassist and blah blah blah. And then putting on this album, I was like, wait a second that's kind of what they're doing like it's so exciting to hear um like one track for instance radiator is basically like a noisy electronic texture but with like total punk drumming and hardcore punk songwriting and vocals yeah and i feel I, like you know we did say that it is kind of like noise rock but there's something about noise rock where um to me it's it's like it's it sounds like sparks are flying off the music totally whereas where this is is noise rock in the sense that like the noise the noisy elements are really concise yes. and really um they're like reined in they're lassoed in you know what i mean they're like sculpted so tightly it's economical economical yes <laughs> <laughs> i'm telling you man like i've been going back to your usage of that term every time i listen to it and i'm like what a fucking perfect description he really nailed it with that one <laughs> well you can use it for the uh, made-up genre term if i even remember to do that <laughs> oh you i always love when you do that you have to do it all right oh okay just for you yeah. bobby boy <laughs> yes. um so uh, we we talked about this before, and here I, now uh, now I'm the one ruining the magic. But you know what? Okay. You, this isn't a band about magic. This is a band about you know the harsh realities. So yes, one hundred percent. Um, something again. You had mentioned this band is from New York, Brooklyn, and uh-huh. a lot of the lyrical themes on the album are about you know societal problems in their city you know the gentrification of new york yeah um you know the the people of new york trying to having to fight to find their place in their own city you know as corporations come in and, and, and take over these spaces that were you know initially occupied by um you know these these punks or you, you just your, your standard working class people and how that's kind of getting taken away from them and the the friction um, that happens as a result of that and it reminds me a lot of kind of what's happening here in Toronto yeah 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 for sure I mean uh, I don't know if uh, if you want to disclose what we were talking about before but like uh, how we're both kind of going through uh, apartment woes yeah we're both basically getting kicked out of our apartments for, yeah for um presumably bigger corporations to come in and right, take that right. land over and you know yeah. build some and, shit and it's like what, and losing, what would we do yeah like losing one's home is such a um like deep you know it's like really festering kind of issue you know what i mean it's the kind of thing that robs you of sleep and it's the kind of thing that makes you want to grab a banjo and, and 
park over like noisy bass and stuff you know so yeah i feel like oh okay this album kind of came at the right time for me you know and, and maybe for you as well and maybe and i'm hoping a lot of people so yeah yeah on the note of I the mean, banjo I, I just want to say this is maybe yeah. the only instance of music where i've enjoyed a banjo <laughs> <laughs> um i mean maybe the only other like, time I... like the banjo kazooie soundtrack <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> it's your banjo and i i guess so um to be fair also uh is it um brian gibson the bassist of lightning bolt he uses a, a banjo string i believe as like a top string um was it the g string Okay, well, that that's a deep cut reference, and I respect it. I had no idea. So. Well, it's I it's it definitely connects them to show the show me the body because like I'm pretty sure they've done shows together. I can see that. Yeah. Hear, yeah, you can kind of hear a little bit of a similarity, but then even then, it's like, no, show me the body are way more economical. Definitely. Yes. Um, <laughs> and how about that album cover? Oh like, yeah, yeah. Oh my god. It's like Yeah, like three coffins on fire. Yeah. Yeah, holy crap. Have you ever seen them live or have you just seen No. Videos? I've just been watching videos cuz you know, I I think I recommended them to you just like a two or three weeks ago or something. I had only discovered them in maybe I think it was August. Okay. And so I just started watching a lot of live videos because I felt like watching them in a live setting really helped me understand like what they're going for and why they're so effective and how there's so many times in their songs they can be almost like too minimal or really drag out repeating a verse or repeating or just like elongating the tension but then when you see it live you can see how it kind of transforms more it feels more like they're building an atmosphere within the room and they can build everyone up to a frenzy it's just on headphones that, that doesn't always translate necessarily right but if yeah, they come I to town the, we gotta go see him man March 18th yeah 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 I'm pretty sure I saw that online somewhere so Yo, I'm definitely gonna go are you down me? Yeah, are you down? Oh yeah, of course, of course. Epic. Okay. <laughs> For some reason, I thought you were saying that to someone else. I don't like. <laughs> Looking in the mirror, Wait, like, else here? are you down? <laughs> Phil? I'm, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I'm down. I'm down. Amazing. I definitely want to go, and hopefully, we'll both still be in our uh, own apartment then, or or we'll both be homeless, and the show yeah. will mean even more to us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. <laughs> So, That's a really dark joke. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's yeah, winter. It's dark jokes are, uh, I mean, it's just dark all the time. I, I can't be telling dark, light jokes. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> um, yeah, the kind of last thing I want to say about this record, I'm sure we could talk about it for an hour, but... Yeah, yeah. Gotta be economical with our time we here. We do. Man. <laughs> I don't think we were economical about this, but it's because we have so much enthusiasm, and I think that's more important. Absolutely. You want people to hear the enthusiasm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, the last thing I want to bring up is, so, I like, you know, I, I love the album. I like all the songs where, you know, they, the kind of ragers and they go off and he's snarling and, you know, and mm -hmm. they're going, blah, blah, blah. Those are cool. But if I'm being honest, 
My favorite songs on the record are the ones like uh, World War Four or Out of Place that are kind of quiet and like unnerving. Those are the ones that I, I found to be personally really effective for me. And, and they make the loud songs sound even louder, you know? There's like that, that kind of, you know, that, that dynamic. The band is really good with dynamics and... Um, yeah, totally. It's gonna be interesting to see, like, I, I hate doing that thing, oh, interesting to see where they go next, but, like, I can see them incorporating a lot more of, like, the kind of, uh, you know, disquieting, moodier songs into their repertoire, because yeah. I think they're really effective. What do you think? Well, they, they've always had one or two quieter songs. And they always tend to be like the most anthemic ones, I'd say. Yeah. Like Arcanum on Dog Whistle. Yes, yeah. Uh, And, you know, on on this one, World War IV, we were were talking about this earlier, like that is just such a quiet to loud banger, you know? Yeah. And it's so so cool. Like, I don't know if if I can think of a song where, where a band's done that, where he does the whole verse over the quiet part and then he just repeats the exact same thing over a completely different part. And it's like, it's done in a way that you don't even realize at first. You're like, wait a second, he's just, like he almost is just like, he could have just like recorded that and then <laughs> yeah. hit play. It's like, But it's completely transformed. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure bands have done that before, but just something about this approach. Definitely. Specifically, I just was blown away. And I, I would agree with you, like I, uh, that's something I love about the band is, is their dynamic and those slower songs the quieter songs are definitely like such a, a powerful thing about them I think for me I'm always just drawn to the song that is like kind of the loudest that they can belt out and with with their last one Madonna Rock it was just such a like where did this come from this <laughs> yeah, is like yeah. the most perfect pop punk song and on this on this album like for me it's between Boils Up and uh, using it, which are both just like such bangers. Totally. So, yeah, I, I mean, I just, I love it all. I need it all and I love it all. No, you're absolutely right. Like the the appreciation for one facet of what they do just kind of makes me appreciate everything else even more, you know? Mm-hmm. They're special, mm-hmm. they're, they're a special band. And um, yeah, just once again, thank you for this recommendation because yeah this is a great record um it's it, it's quite powerful stuff and uh i'm really excited for this live show because yeah i checked out those videos yeah, you sent me and it looks like a it looks like a fucking experience yeah totally totally i would agree i think for me this is going to be it definitely in my top five of the year whoa yeah, yeah i i i mean I, this tends to happen to me happen to me like every couple of years where I'll get into a band and hear the first couple albums just before the new one comes out yeah, and to me yeah. it's like that's my favorite way to get into a band I totally hear you man yeah it happened with Ice Age I think a few years ago where I got like super into Ice Age and just before I think uh, Plowing the Fields of Love came out yeah baby great record. and that was just like whew, yeah it's the way to go for sure, for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, Bob, do you have any closing thoughts on the record? 
Uh, not really. It's just, it's a banger. It's full of bangers. It's full of heart and emotion. Great production, great textures. And uh, I'm just really excited about them. And if you've never heard anything by them, like, would you say this is the place to start, Phil? Yeah, I'd say so. Then work your way back. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Work your way back, like, in backwards order, because uh, Body War is just, like, the most frenetic. I I love them all equally, I'd say, but that one's just, like, it's the most twisted. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I got you. Like, it almost sounds like Red Hot Chili Peppers at times, and then (laughs) the Blood Brothers at times. Like, it's just amazing. (laughs) The Red Hot Blood Brothers. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) There's your, uh, there's your, there's your punk band that you can... Red Hot Blood Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Sounds like okay. a hot sauce company. Ooh. Okay, well, <laughs> if the punk band doesn't work out, then, uh, we got a hot sauce company, uh, um, in the back pocket. It's, it's 2022, Phil. You gotta do both. <laughs> you gotta have, like, the hustle of the music and the hot sauce. Right. Of course. Is yeah. there, uh, there's, like, a... There's a joke on some show about that. It's like, oh, I'm gonna move to Baltimore, sort of hot sauce company, sort of folk band. It's from somewhere. Um, uh, I believe it. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. we're we're <laughs> okay. Okay. Anyway, this thank you, Bob, again for hopping on the show and chatting with me. It's always nice to uh, mm-hmm. chat with someone that isn't me. <laughs> so. <Yeah. laughs> You're really good at it, though, Phil. I appreciate Talking it. Talking to yourself. Yeah. You are great at it. I, I think I tried it once, and, and then I started crying. Oh, well, I'm crying as I record every show. That's, don't oh, get me okay. wrong. Don't get me wrong. Oh, okay. <laughs> Jar those tears. That's right. Okay, well, thank you again, and uh, yeah, I'm sure I'll have you back on soon. Okay, sounds good. Thanks again to Bob for popping on the show. What a trooper. Just a smart, nice, sweet man. I really do love the guy. And uh, just so easy to talk to, you know? Let's get to number one. Let's finish her off. Another long episode today. Oops. So, coming in at number one for October 2022. And it's funny because the number one album of this month, I don't even really know how to pronounce the title of. Uh, it is Gris Klein? Question mark? Question mark isn't part of the title. Gris Klein by Birds and Row. Um, again, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. It's G-R-S, G-R-I-S, uh, and then K-L-E-I-N. My, my friends and I had a big discussion trying to figure out how to pronounce it, what it means. We got nowhere with it, so I'm not even gonna share any of that with you, but it has been a topic of contention. Anyway, let's talk about the actual album itself. So, I remember, and it's funny that I'm bringing up the Mars Volta again. Um, I remember back in the day listening, well, not listening, reading a review of the first Mars Volta album, Delouse in the Comatorium, and there was a line in that review that stuck with me to this day. It's been like almost 20 years now. Um, and it was, it sounds like 
all the members of the band recorded this album in the studio with a gun pointed at their heads. Basically meaning, like, the intensity of which every single person involved in that record played their instruments is really, really apparent and just adds to the kind of electricity that emanates from the music itself. You can tell they really, really, really mean it. And this is another record that I'm listening to where you can just tell that they really, really mean it. So they're like a, at this point, kind of like a post-hardcore band um, from France of all places. And this is how you know it must be a good record because I'm giving the number one spot to some French guys. Um, and they've released a few records. Uh, obviously, this is their latest. And in my opinion, their greatest. Uh, it's one of those bands where, like, I feel like if I were to have heard this album when I was like 13 or 14, it would have changed my life completely. Because the amount of emotion that's been poured into this record is just insane. Again, you can just tell that these guys really, really mean it. And not just the vocalist. I'm talking about the guitarist, bassist, drummer. Everyone is giving it 1,000% every single second of this album. And it really is a marvel to listen to. So a lot of the songs, you know, kind of have that post-hardcore-y kind of, um, you know, heaviness to them, that kind of speed and intensity. Uh, but my favorite songs in the record are the ones where it gets kind of slowed down a little bit. Um, again, kind of like I was mentioning with Bob on the Show Me the Body record, uh, it's the dynamics of it all which really make things really effective. And there is this one, sorry, two song stretch in the album which is up there with the best two song punch that this year has to offer in any genre of music. Uh, the first song called Noah, it's kind of like a, a moodier, slow-burning song that takes about six to seven minutes or so to build up, and it gets there, and it gets there, and then the transition into the next song, Cathedrals, is one of the best transitions of the year, again, any genre, and it just feels like the entirety of Noah is leading up to this song, Cathedrals. And Cathedrals is a lot faster paced, you know, heavier song for sure, but even that song feels like it's leading up to the last 30 seconds or so of that song, which culminates in this breakdown and the satisfaction that you will get listening to Noah going into cathedrals, listening to cathedrals, just to get to that breakdown at the end of the song, is immensely satisfying. Like, one of the best breakdowns I've ever heard in my life, and the way that they just bring you there makes it so, so, so worth it when you actually get there. Um, I don't want to really describe it too much, because it really is something that you just need to experience. Um, 
the whole record, you know, it, it's fairly traditional post-hardcore, just, again, played with a lot of uh, intensity and emotion. Um, they really remind me kind of like a French uh, La Dispute, or one of those other kind of melodic hardcore bands that are out there. Um, but what I really like about these guys is they're not afraid to you know, have fun with their pedals. And you can tell that a lot of the guitar parts in the record have been um, kind of shot through, you know, delays and um, just wah-wahs and whatever it may be, just to kind of add these interesting textures to the sounds, um, just to keep it interesting and kind of keep you on your toes for the duration of the record. Anyway, this is, it's interesting because I remember initially showing this record to some friends um, in a Discord group that I'm in. And initially, I, I just heard it maybe once or twice, and I posted about it, and I was like, oh, this record's great. This is definitely one of the best post-hardcore records of the year. And the more that I listened to it, the more I kept going back to it, kept going back to it, I just remember thinking... No, like I, I can't, I can't kind of disqualify it like that. And I posted again being like, scratch that, this is one of the best records of the year in any genre. And we just have a tendency to have certain genres of music that I guess we take more seriously than others. You know, like, oh, you know, like that pop album, you know, that'll be the album of the year because of its widespread appeal or you know, that, that rap record or, or whatever it may be, it, it's very rarely that we're assigning these kind of lofty uh, album of the year type things to, you know, really niche genres like post-hardcore, for example. But I really do believe that if you have the open mind and you have the open heart, if you will, this record will really connect with you and you'll understand that like, this transcends the genre. This is just some absolutely fantastic, incredibly emotional, incredibly powerful music that can really move you. So, coming in at number one for October 2022 is Birds in Row, Gris Klein. Maybe it's Gris Klein? I don't know. Not French. So, thanks everyone for joining, listening. Uh, the good news is that I'm not crying at the end of this one, so that's certainly a win. Uh, hoping to keep that up for uh, the remainder of the episodes for PH5. We're getting to the end of the year. Um, November will probably be our last traditional PH5 monthly roundup. And then we'll move into the end-of-year festivities, which are always a good time. Um, because the only point of music being released is so that we can assign it a position in a completely arbitrary list at the end of the year, right? So really excited to do that, for sure. Thanks again for listening. This is Phil, signing off from PH5. Have a great night morning, day, evening, afternoon, etc.